When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Hello and welcome to episode 83 of And this episode is a chat with Paul Tylak, who is my oldest friend. friend I mean he's not my oldest friend I have friends who are older than him but we go back a long way as in ooh, 30 years when we met um, uh, out one night in Captain America's and the meeting is um, we talk about it during this chat and in comedy he's by far my oldest friend because uh, we started doing comedy together when there wasn't any comedy clubs and we all that's in the chat of course and um, it was great to catch up with him so much we could have talked more we could have talked about him perhaps we'll just talk to him we'll we'll talk again Uh, at the moment I'm lying on the bed in a hotel room in Bangkok would you believe it or not not Uh, I am here but uh, as I said before when I did one of these links from a farting place I could be anywhere I could be just saying but uh, I haven't really seen much of it yet because uh, I flew from uh, I flew from Ireland on Saturday morning at 7.30 but I didn't actually sleep the night before because I was packing and doing my feckin tax returns and moving flat and malarkey and I had an hour's sleep, so I thought, oh, well, you know, so I flew then for seven hours. I did sleep a little bit. I wonder how much, maybe two or three hours, four hours possibly. And then two hours in Doha on a, a layover, as they say, and uh, maybe nodded off for a bit there. And then another flight, six and a half hour flight, and I slept a little bit there, but not on that. Um, but it's not the same anyway, is it? You're sleeping in a cramped little fucking seat. So I uh, arrived here and then got to the hotel. But of course, I didn't realise I'm arriving into a hotel at nine in the morning. So my room wasn't ready. So wandered down and had squid and noodles for breakfast. Um, and then I slept a bit. And then I got up and did a gig. And it wasn't a great gig because there wasn't many. There was a few very tired drunken people at it um came back did my tax returns in the hotel because i have to have them in and uh i uh conked out sometime in the morning 
and just slept all day. So I haven't fucking seen anything. I just conked out. I just was. That's how I conk out. And uh, got up this evening and and did did a good walk around. But of course, you know, you can't do that. Still haven't done that. You know, haven't seen the the sights. I've just seen the market and the people wandering around uh, uh, eating, offering new food to eat. Scorpions on the street, people. That's a thing. I wonder should I eat a scorpion just to say bucket list. I've eaten a scorpion, but then I feel like a twat going. It's what every tourist does. But yeah, fuck. Maybe I will. Um, all I've eaten is curry and squid. And uh, I'm going to go out and eat now. And it'll probably... I'm going to try and find something that isn't a curry. Let's do that. Because I'm sure your body reacts if you just eat... If you just suddenly... You're just a curry eater. And uh, I'm pretty sure that people here in Thailand don't eat curry for breakfast. or um, They probably have rice, though, for rice in, in most meals. I don't know what their breakfast is, to be honest. But I'm going to go out now and find some food. Uh, I was uh, out uh, wandering around with a fellow from South Africa last night and his girlfriend. He brought me for a meal and the whole and the whole, and the whole vibe is, oh, you can get anything. You, you can get anything here in Bangkok. Whatever you want. Whatever you want. A, a midget, whatever. Um, it's not, uh, apparently... You could get anything you want. But uh, I could have got paid someone to come to my room and done my tax returns. And it probably uh, would have been probably the most unusual request ever from a person coming to Bangkok. But I didn't. I did them myself. Um, so I'm definitely doing a gig tomorrow night and then and then another gig. I'm going to Pattaya and that's supposed to be mental. Uh, but I'm 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 getting sleep tonight. I'm going out, eating, and getting sleep, and I'm going to see some sights. Yeah, definitely. So uh, anyway, here's an old uh, here's an old friend of mine, Paul Tylak. Enjoy. <laughs> How are you, Joe? How's it going? You alright, yeah? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Good, 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 yeah. Uh, you're heading off to do a gig later, is there? Going out to Kerry with, to Causeway with Kevin Gildee. Causeway? Yes. that's You did that before. I did, I did it with you one time. In a bar uh, that only opened at the weekend or something. Was that Causeway? It might have been, I don't know, yeah. It's to- open tonight anyway. Right, yeah, or only open Thursday, Friday, Saturday or yeah. something. Any, yeah. Well, I think you might have done it since. Because... He was asking me to get someone else. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, I haven't a clue. Anyway, he asked me to get someone else, so yeah, uh, I asked you. So, um, well, look, okay. So, Paul, we we obviously go back a long way. Yes, a long way. What? How far back? Over thirty years. Over thirty years. I think I met you when I was eighteen or nineteen. Yeah. You were eighteen, nineteen. Yes, you were in Guernica. Twenty-two or three, yeah, yeah. I don't know how much older I am. Yeah, I'm about, about four, four years, years older. older yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was in a band called Guernica. Yeah, and uh, do you remember the t- 
the night we met was quite uh, interesting. Captain America's. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Tom, your manager. Tom Cook, the manager of Guernica, introduced us. But you pulled out a squirty water yeah. pistol. Under the table, I had you at gunpoint. And then you and then pulled I out a gun as well. And then I had a water pistol as well. <laughs> it's it's quite amazing. Yeah. So that kind of tied us together for life. Cemented I think. our relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that was funny times though. I mean, like, let's think about it. We used to hang out a lot and uh, just do mad shit around town. And we'd yeah. no money, I guess. And No, we used to go uh, to parties all the time. We were on the dole. We never had any money, but everyone always had parties and they always had a good time. Like, yeah. Managed to make do and have loads of fun and get up to loads of shenanigans with yeah. no money. Just your dole. The dole. The just and, get know, money or clothes in uh, Oxfam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even shoes. Everything. Everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fully clothed by secondhand shops. <laughs> and uh, and then we started getting wigs a lot in secondhand shops. Yes, I still have some of them. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I probably have one or two. <laughs> yeah. uh, and we were we had the Quack Squad a, a comedy duo. We were doing for a good while. Yeah, we did that for a while. But like before that, we used to hang hang out, and I was in the band, and then you supported the band. Yeah, I'd go uh, on in between bands. Like I remember, you mm. did a gig with the Baby Snakes. Ah, in the yeah, the Baby Snakes. Yeah. yeah. So you were on first. Guernica and, and the Baby Snakes. Guernica yeah. and the yeah. Baby Snakes. There might have been another band, maybe a house as well. I don't know. Yeah. There, might, there was a few. In the bag it in. Yeah. But uh, it might have been just you and the baby snakes, but uh. yeah, I went up in between and just did mad stuff. <laughs> yeah. And like, like we had Sean Hughes and another guy on one time, uh, maybe twice in the underground. Oh, yeah. Uh, they, they were called the Short and Curlies. Short and Curlies, yeah. And yeah. then uh, you did. He loved Guernica as well. He, he loved another, Guernica. There was a lot of us now. We were big fans of Guernica. Oh, Guernica. Those days. Not, not enough, people. But not yeah. enough to keep you going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when you seen us spending the cash to come into the gigs, we were going, what do you do? And we said, we're comedians. And he said, okay. All right, yeah, that's how I started. Well, no, I don't no. think so. Um, but I remember one night in the, it was in definitely in the Bagot. I'm pretty sure it was the Bagot Inn. You did a, a whole set in Sri Lanka. In Sri Lanka. Well, it was like fake Sri Lankan. I knew. Was it? I knew some of what I was saying, and the rest I just made up. And uh, that's I was hilarious. telling knock knock jokes and stuff. <laughs> Knock knock. Uh, yeah, it was like Mata Danet Nane, Makata Karane, knock knock. Who's there? Mr. Fitzgerald. Yeah, Nipa. So funny. And I was shaved my whole head was shaved, I remember. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was doing that. Right, yeah. And that was that, that was um before we started but that was we before I knew how comedy worked. Ah no, it was hilarious. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean obviously some people didn't really get it. Yeah, I think it was before there was anything like stand-up or anything here, really. Like, I mean, there wasn't, certainly wasn't, the international hadn't started, you know, was mm. a, c a couple of years before that. And I think once the in international started, even then people were just doing, like we were doing sketches, Fat Man's Picnic Basket were doing sketches, Trellis were Trellis. doing sketches. Dylan Moran and a couple of other guys used to get up and do sketches he, as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He came a lot later. We're talking... Yeah. I mean, okay, it could be just a year or two years, but it seems like a long time. Would it, would it have been 1990 or something like that? Would that mean? Or 89? In the international, anyway. 
But before that, we, you and me were doing gigs wherever we could get them as the quack. Yeah, and our fir- but our first ever gig. So and even before we did gigs, we kind of would get a tape recorder and start recording. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, because, uh, uh, yeah, we always random messing with, like, doing uh, interviews and stuff. Yeah. Like, and ads and that yeah. kind of thing, yeah. And then uh, we got a call from Tom Cook, the manager of Guernica Care, one night and said, there was, there was, it was a club that uh, Gavin Friday ran, right? Oh yeah, you remember this? The this is our first. Front, this is our first gig, I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's in the waterfront, and the club was called the Screaming Blue Jays Club or something. Yeah, the Gavin Friday. Like yeah, and, and him and Googie were they do little songs in between and stuff as well, didn't they? Yeah, and they had Hot House Flowers on the night. The night we, we went. To. But but we didn't have a. So we had a, a maybe a two hours or an hour to get a set together. Right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we had nothing, and. I remember the nerves because uh, I'd never done anything like it and uh, we stopped for a pint on the way to calm ourselves. Yeah. But then we drank a whole uh, bottle of wine as well. At least, yeah. At least, maybe one each. I think we had some spirits as well, maybe. Yeah. I remember some of the uh, lines. Well, I remember one line was you did a a Native American Indian. You said how or something. And I, I was like, where do you? Where do you live? And you said a DP, and I said, "Ah, oh, that must be intense, or something like that." And oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not proud of it, not ashamed of it either. <laughs> yeah. But I remember we got very drunk, really drunk, and then we went back on stage when the Hot House Flowers were playing because they were getting really boring or something. No, I can't say that. Uh, <laughs> we we were bored because we were very drunk. And we were ridiculous. We, just, we ruined their set. We we went up and started singing with them mm. and taking the piss. And I think we were dragged out of there by bouncers. We were actually and forcibly removed from the premises. I remember they well, without any violence, just carried out or something. I remember a coffee table smashing or something. Yeah, like that, that was even before we went on. I think oh, there was okay. a. <laughs> That's how uh, drunk we were. Uh, we were sitting down. Gavin Friday was there going, these people are absolute, just, they're bastards. They're just fucking bastards and just treat them like that. Your audience, yeah. That was yeah. his advice. But he really enjoyed it after he, he was saying, I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> it was really real. Yeah. <laughs> we were just pissed. Um, yeah. So anyway, that was that was just our first but we didn't do that for a while and then we did uh random parties. Yeah. Uh, I think the first party we did with Connor Kenny filmed it. And uh yeah, we were we did a party in it was just someone's party and then they said we want a bit of entertainment so we whatever. I don't think we even charged them because we wanted to do no, it. No, I don't think so. It was a good party to get. <laughs> and we did that interview. It was like um, I was saying to you, you were, uh, and I, you'd invented something. And I was going newfangled, fangled, and oh, and, uh, and I was saying st- stuff to you, and you're going, "No, that's a load of bollocks. I never did that." It was some kind of celebrity interview or something. Oh yeah, like I can't remember. But it was very funny at the time. I remember doing the interview where we were talking about to a hairdresser and he was doing hair extensions. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hair extensions? No, no hair extensions. <laughs> but, mm. uh, so, uh, yeah, but, like, the weird thing is about how did you end up in Dublin? Like, you're, like... Um, it's well, like you were a... a 
my mum and dad got divorced when I was 11. So I was living in England, like, from, I suppose, from when I was born, because I was born there. Um, and then, well, the whole story is that my mum kind of went a bit nuts when I was a few months old, and she just left me on the floor at the kitchen, my, according to my dad. And then he couldn't, he was working, so he didn't know how to handle a child. Uh because she just disappeared. She went up to Birmingham or something with some friends of hers. And uh, basically, he put me into care in Bernardo's in Dulwich. And I was there for eight years. I, I thought I was only there for five years, but I, I uh, found out through um, the Freedom of Information Act about where I where I'd been kept through the local council and all that. And uh it was eight years I was there. You were in so there. So I only like, knew my mum really properly for about three years before they got divorced. Because they got divorced when I was 11. I got I, I got out of there. They yeah. they brought me out of there. when, when they, they got back together when I was about eight, yeah. basically. And they seemed to sort themselves out. And then I was in this new house with these new people for three years. So you didn't really... I didn't know that about you. No, I didn't yeah, know that. I was in, in a home for eight years as a... a, a what like kind of a, home? It was a children's home. It was in a big house, like mm. that had been converted for like Doctor Bernardo's children's home. So yeah, I was in there for eight years. And, and did you see your parents during that time? No, I'd never saw my mum. And, and then, like in the last year I was there, this guy kept visiting this dark gentleman, uh, who always looked really neat. And uh, I remember one week he said, "What's your favourite colour?" And I said, "Orange." And he said. And um, what's what kind of toys do you like? And I said uh, teddy bear. And he, the next week he brought he brought a, an orange teddy bear. Wow! And also a bow and arrow. I thought he was saying a bone arrow, but it was a, mm. it was a bow and arrow. And he shot it up at the ceiling, and it stuck to the ceiling. The, the little rubber arrow. So I remember that. I thought he was great. Mm. And then so then uh, it turned out he was my dad, and we moved into. Um, uh, a, a place in Streatham, actually. And you were eight years old? Yeah, eight years old. How does that... They weren't really, like, you hadn't bonded with them as parents. At all, no, yeah. And I was uh, ended mm. up being terrified of my dad because he was quite a strict, authoritarian sort of figure, very uh, and a bit mental as well. Mm. And my mum was all right at the time. She was very, you know, uh, she'd give me hugs and everything, but she was a bit nuts as well. Um, and then they got divorced. And then, uh, so I used to come over to Dublin on holidays every summer from the age of about 11 mm. till I was about 17. And then I just left. Uh, I left, uh, I was supposed to go to college in England, but I didn't. I just came to Dublin. And first I stayed with my mum and then I moved out. Cause she, Where was your mum? She was in the North Circular Road at the time, mm -hmm. and uh, she was going out with this Chinese, lovely guy, Chinese guy called Davy, mm -hmm. and um, but she was drinking an awful lot, and she I'd never seen her like that, like when you know when I was younger, so uh, I had to move out eventually, and yeah, then I moved to Fairview. I was living in the Crescent in Fairview. Next door to Bram Stoker's house, oh, yeah. apparently, according to a plaque. Yeah. In With a couple of lads from Arklow. I yeah. lived there. And that's when I started kind of going to gigs and stuff like that. And you were at what age? 
18. Ah, oh, I would have been about 18, yeah. 18, 19, yeah. And you just started going to see bands? And yeah, just going into town and just going mad then from then on till I was about 30. <laughs> yeah. I'd say. I don't know. Yeah. And uh, so you hadn't really... Uh, you were very much on your own then, weren't you? So it was like basically you, you're making... I'd say the friends that we had in common maybe were. But they were your family. Anne Butler was yeah. the fir- my first proper girlfriend, I suppose. Right. And I probably met a lot of people through Anne and, mm. like, uh, yeah, like um, Kevin Lynch and, mm. I mean, you know, you were doing the ISPCC as well for a oh, little bit. Collection, yeah, yeah. I know Tom was doing this. Like that's how I met Tom. Mm. That's how I kind of. Started going to Guernica gigs then. Mm. I remember he was saying, you've got to come and see this band. And he told me the lyrics of this song. He's going, I want to go deep sea diving into ocean blue eyes. And yeah. I just thought that was such an amazing lyric. I was going, I've oh, got really? to see this band. Yeah, that's how he sold wow. you, basically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, was, he was great. I thought he was, he was just such a funny guy as well. Great guy, Tom. Tom. Yeah. yeah, and he was really into the band. He wasn't just a manager. He's, he loved the band. Yeah, and I remember you were very upset when the band broke up. I was delighted because I was. I thought you were the funniest guy I'd ever met. And, yeah. you know, I was like, now he can finally do comedy. I was going, you can do comedy. And you were going, no, a fucking 10 years of my life I've put into this band. Or was it five, five. years? Yeah, I knew it was a multiple of five. Mm. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, I... You didn't really want to do comedy at first, and then you, you scary. got really good at it. So you were already good at it, but you got more disciplined about the work and stuff. Right, okay. And I got less disciplined after that. <laughs> For a <laughs> while. Because I remember we used to meet up to write, and I'd say, do you want to go and play pool? You'd yeah. Like, what the hell? I was supposed to be writing new stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I can't... Uh, I kind of think at that time I did... I was too... Uh, I didn't uh, accept anything that came up casually or was good enough that you almost had to sweat at it or something. Mm. Do you not feel? I don't know. I I certainly yeah. would would think back now and go. Fuck, I just should have just gone with the flow a bit more. Yeah. Um, no, I think you were pretty good. At th- I think we were a good mix in that way because I was really into things that just happened, like because you'd say stuff like the way we would write stuff as we'd tape it or whatever. Mm. And or else, you know, if if I thought you just said something really funny and then you the next time you'd have forgotten that you said that and you said like a different I was thinking, but that was really funny the way you did because you'd throw really funny lines away. I used to find that with you as well. Yeah. I used to go, oh, no, I don't know. I remember lines. I go, no, that way you said it. I used to find the same. So I think what it is, is when you're performing stuff or when you're whenever you're doing stuff. You're so your own inner critic is your worst enemy. So you mm. kind of always you're always editing yourself, whereas mm. other people can see the magic that's yeah. actually coming out. So that's but, probably why it's good. Double acts are really good that way because they can kind of ki- and and I suppose with foil arms and hog like a treble act, they can three of them can be going. No, that's really good. No, you got to keep doing that. Yeah. Like, you know, whereas if you and it, it must be it, it probably is much harder for a one man act if you have that inner critic. You know. Yeah, that's completely t- like what I used to love about it, before we ever performed even was just sitting down, turning that tape recorder on and just improvising. Yeah. I used to dub- be doubled up laughing. Yeah, yeah. It was just amazing. Yeah. And just then listen back to them. So mad. They were really mad. 
Yeah. I suppose because we weren't constrained by what we thought people wanted to hear or what we thought what we thought should be funny. Yeah. You know. I think we both probably I mean, I know I kind of grew up on Monty Python and Woody Allen and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if you were as strongly into uh, yeah, well, all that. Yeah, Monty Python, not as much. I didn't see as much of it. I only heard the albums. And uh, I would have... Uh, Derek, Derek and Clive. Yeah, but I think you were uh, naturally... I, I don't think I was ever... Originally, I don't think I was naturally funny. I used to work at it, like oh, yeah. trying to be funny or do... Like I kind of... I remember... When I was in school, I used to get bullied, but obviously if I made people laugh, like that's kind of, that was such a great buzz. Yeah. That I felt like, yeah, from now on, I just want to make people laugh. Yeah. But I felt like I had to work at that. But I always thought like you, like, you know, we've loads of videos and stuff of like you talking to cows and stuff. It's just, you know, like unionizing the cows. I have stuff like that on on video from like, anytime we went on like holidays and stuff like that, Oh, you know. Like we'd get away from our girlfriends and just go and like film stupid little mad things. Yeah, but I remember you telling me when you were, were living at home on on the farm, you used to sing to the cows. I used to sing, and they they will listen, like, but they look confused. Are they appreciative? Or? Uh, well, they definitely will stand there. I guess they're bored. They're in a field all day, so any yeah. any form of entertainment. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> is something. For them to watch, yeah. Uh, but I used to sing to the cows as well. I used to wonder about um, uh, past lives and if people came back as animals. So I used right. to sing different. I used to maybe learn some classical piece yeah. and not learn it on the instrument. Yeah. Just sing it and see if any of the cows pricked Reacted. up their ears and I go, "Wow, it could be Mozart." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or. Buddy Holly or something like yeah, that. You yeah, know? <laughs> try all the different styles yeah. of music yeah. to see which cows reacted. <laughs> Probably a good uh, thing if you were selling the cows. Like this one is is the reincarnation <laughs> of Elvis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But I tell you what the worst thing about, I mean, let's say we were enjoying ourselves and then you start doing gigs and they're great and everything. Mm. But I think it's, I think it was really <laughs> kicking the arse when we started doing gigs down the country or Outside of the outside of the little area in Dublin, yeah, and people go, "What's this shit?" You Just know? even outside the international, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> sometimes yeah. because they're not really comedy audiences, so yeah. And uh, if I was to go back in time, I would, I would, I would say to me, "Don't mind them, that audience. Yeah, yeah. Don't try and cater to that audience." Yeah, yeah. But I think I kind of did a bit. Or we started curbing our madness. Do you think? I don't, yeah, I think you kind of have to in a way. Like, there's so much stuff that I've written that I like that I just know won't go down well with a general audience. Yeah. That I don't do it as much. And I think I now I think I I I've relaxed a bit more about it, and I will. I, I think I'll try and do more stuff just for myself. Mm. But at the same time, you feel like you're. Your contract with the audience is to make them laugh mm. as well, to an extent. Yeah, but do you not feel... I, I feel that as well. I mean, maybe you come around to... Maybe it's my age now that I'm going... I am fucking don't know how long I've left on this planet. I I want to do stuff... For me. For me. Yeah, yeah. You know, mm. So. Yeah, well, I'd like to do more character stuff because I lo- that was my first love, was always characters. And that's what I loved 
that's what I've always loved generally. That's why I do, like, you know, when we started, we always, I'd always try and do different characters and stuff, you know, and, yeah. and you would as well. We'd had, you know, that, that was the most fun because it wasn't, there wasn't necessarily any gags in, yeah. in doing these funny voices and stuff. It was just the no. way you talked or the mm. way you expressed yourself. And I think that's something that has got lost with the way a lot of comedy has gone. That, that it's gone kind of just pure stand up, be yourself, just talk about your life and that kind of thing, which is, is a great thing to, to watch. But I think. But it's not it's, it's even something that I didn't like at the beginning. I remember going to see the first few comedians that would come over from the UK and I and I, I like the way you quotes there <laughs> comedians <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I did <laughs> and uh, I, was, I was disappointed sometimes yeah just talking about kebabs or something and yeah there's no madness but there's loads of great acts I mean obviously that do mad shit but but there's sometimes who are I mean when I started doing stand up for example I was going people don't want to hear my voice me just me talking well, it I took me years to to get used to the sound of my own voice. When I started doing like actual stand up, I couldn't. I wanted to just break out of doing characters and mm. do be myself, and then I could do little characters in between, like you know, describe mm. people, and then start doing them and that kind of thing. But the actual in between bit of me talking, I found really almost impossible. Mm. Like I hated the sound of my. Vo- I just thought it was really boring. Like a really boring voice. So then I, I, I understand. I actually, I understand that. Yeah, but you know what I mean. I read up about no. it, and yeah. I, I made tapes. Uh, this book suggested. This book said, "Hey, Paul, what you need?" Yeah, I remember is, you telling me about that book. Yeah, but it was like basically you need to just be confident in your own voice yeah. to the extent that you feel like that it's. Um, that, that you actually love the sound of your own voice. So yeah. you do these affirmations. Oh, I did for a while anyway. And I you've did. got a, a great voice, um, you know. It was probably because I, I, like, I grew up in England and then I came to Ireland and I probably feel like a fake, you know, my voice. Uh, mm. Because, like, I, I, I had a London accent when I first came here. So it's probably, I, like, I think some actors have that thing where they kind of go, like, well, I certainly, my uncle's, Hate and my cousins all hated me talking like that when I was in Northside Dublin in Cabra. Yeah, (laughs) when I met you, did you talk like that? No, I was quite. I was half Dublin by that stage. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Probably took about a year, and then. But I, I don't know. I think it's just like wherever you are. I was worried when I went to New York for six months, actually, that I would come back with a New York accent. But luckily, I didn't. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's just that phase in your life. Yeah, but there is a thing like I have as well. Is say when I'm doing the intros uh, to this podcast as mm. well, I I get fed up talking in my own voice and I, just, and I start talking like that. Oh like, yeah, you know, yeah, I just keep going in and out. Of voices. But you do that anyway. <laughs> like if you're talking to people, you just go, yeah, I might just go and park my car. Do I? <laughs> yeah, do no, I? Sometimes you do. Yeah, <laughs> just because you're just bored of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I, uh, I think that's a possible. Let if I was going to say there might be some kind of uh, set, uh, uh, thing where you're just you want to be out of your own skin or something like that but I've always always felt like that I uh, yeah to I mean I, it sounds weird but I think I was quite shy self esteem thing maybe I don't know yeah I don't know I like I f- I realised when I was doing characters I could really like blow an audience away 
by mm. uh, and I loved that feeling and I didn't like going back to the normal talking kind of thing because there wasn't that kind of buzz about it mm. anymore like I'm much more confident being other people and even now I'm much more confident telling other people's jokes mm. like not live on stage but to other comedians like oh did you hear your man's joke it's fucking brilliant and, oh yeah and I tell them the joke and and get a massive laugh but I wouldn't be able to tell people my own joke All in right. private you know I'm much because I know that this is a, I know this is funny I've heard this person saying it and it's brilliant and it's funny I'm probably selling it by yeah. saying that as well yeah. you know and uh, so, yeah, I just think you, you, you're just generally not as as uh, confident in it's your own abilities. It's a weird thing, though, because I think both of us have picked up our, our each other's accents as well. Because a yes. lot of people will say we sound very similar. Yeah. Pe- people probably think I'm just interviewing myself here on this podcast. You are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but Alicia, my wife, was even say, says to me, that was just like Joe, the way you said that. Oh, she yeah. really sounded like Joe there. And then, and, and yeah, like, and and people used to say I to probably me, picked up you more than you picked up me because you you were more of a I'm probably a stronger sure. individual. Like I definitely, well, you were only picking up yourself then because I was copying you. <laughs> no, I might have picked probably. up a slight English accent off oh, okay. you because people, some people do say, "Have you got? Did you live in England?" Yeah, I don't know. I but remember I, you saying to me that the that you you could tell I was English by one word that I said: mustache. Yeah. <laughs> moustache. Yeah, yeah. Moustache, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, my ex, Sandra, says banana as well. Okay. There's bath to you, I suppose, but some people say bath. But too. I was talking to Lisa Casey from Dundalk yeah. uh, and recently, and she's got s- such a strong Dundalk accent, but then she said, uh, I uh, dropped something on the carpet. The carpet. Oh, right. That's yeah, a Dundalk yeah. accent, apparently. Okay. It's not, yeah. she's not got any, but yeah, they say yeah. carpet. Yeah, yeah. I love accents. So, I just, mm. I just, look, like, with voiceovers and stuff like that, luckily I'm in a, a job where I uh, I get to do loads of accents. Yeah, so you're that animation really good at it. Much better than me, but there. Um, well, I ha- but, like, people used to say mm. to me, and we look very different, I would say, but they yeah. would say, "Is he? are you cousins? Yeah, I know. I mean, it was I'm half Sri Lankan, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you're full like. Are you? Or I think Drada. I'm sure somebody said uh, I was talking to your brother the other day. Mm. Oh, people used to call me Paul. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I was called Joe a few times. But yeah. um, I think that that it's is actually quite common because I think with double acts, people are you know people who are always together people often get them their names confused they just always you're in your head you always yeah. think together as and you forget which is which yeah, yeah. Uh, but i think even before we did the double act i remember you did you got a gig on the thing called megamix oh yeah, yeah. and uh, actually sean Hughes was did it before you yes. did it yes and, and then he went to london was london. that it yeah and it, it was have been on one or two of the shows before i uh, or, or you know, before he left, I think I might have done a couple of shows with him. As oh, well. really? Yeah. I was just a waiter in the background the whole time. And like I wasn't. You got uh, a few bits, did you? Comedy I ju- bits. Just visual jokes. Like oh, I used right. to take people's money, like because I was a barman, and mm. I would like put twenty quid in my mouth, and then I'd give them change out of my mouth. Oh yeah, and stuff like that. Like just because just something to do in the background. We got a bit together though when Guernica were on it. Oh yeah, what did we, we do? We did a, a ridiculous did introduction. Did I interview you? Right. Oh, it was an interview. We did. I know we did something that ended with both of us going diddly bop at the same time. Oh, okay. <laughs> do <right>. you remember? 
<laughs> and that was actually our first Quack Squad sketch without us knowing it. <laughs> right, yeah. And uh, the say, or one night, I don't know if it was the same night, maybe, but I was down there because you were doing the show. And it, it, to explain it to anyone who doesn't know, it was like a Top of the Pops type show or the the Tube, maybe, on Channel 4. It was in Christchurch. In, recorded in Christchurch and yeah. the band's... Uh, played and uh, it was presented by Flo McSweeney and Kevin Shackey Kevin Shackey and uh, Wet 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 were on one episode and I don't think I was I think I was just down there because you were there and you got me in backstage and uh, there was uh, I was hanging I was talking to Wet 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 they they weren't is it Marty Marty Pello they weren't huge at the time I kept making really big um, uh, faux pas with them because yeah. uh, I didn't realise they were being sued by somebody for a song that was okay. slightly ripped off or something. Right. Or similar to another song. Yeah. Maybe by Van Morrison. That's or. weird because it's so original. And I kept wait, wait, wait. saying, uh, I, I, I mentioned two other songs. They yeah. said, that, there's another song called that as well, isn't there? And, I was yeah. like, and they were like getting really edgy. But... Yeah. Um, uh, and then uh, a lot of the uh, acts would go down to uh, the Pink Elephant was the club to go to. Yeah. And I went down there. This is when we had no money. And I went down with loads of people and I pretended I was in Wet Wet Wet. So the waitress came around and went, um, wait, 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 wait. Uh, I'll, can I order a drink? And the manager's coming down in a minute and he'll pay for the round. I ordered like <laughs> two rounds of drinks for loads of people. Right. Then I had to run away. That reminds me. Because they never of, arrived. <laughs> you're good at pretending to be bands. Because remember, we were trying to get into the limelight in New York and the commitments were oh, in yeah. town. So we pretended we were in the commitments. Because we were being all polite and saying, yeah, we're just some friends in there. And they were like, no, man, sorry, you can't. Yeah, but it was right. very easy to convince yeah. them you were in the commitments. Just yeah. go, here we are. Yeah, and we go, let us in, you fucking bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> and then they let us in. Yeah. Oh, okay, you're with those guys. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. my highlight of Megamix was meeting Shane McGowan in there. Like, he was just hanging around after he'd been on. And I thought they were Irish. I just thought that he was Irish. Yeah. Like, because he was so Irish when he sings. Yeah. You know, so Dublin when he sings. Mm. And uh, I was like, hell yeah, I think your stuff's brilliant. And he was like, oh, right, yeah, thanks very much. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this guy is fucking from London. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, but, the early days. We, we did, yeah, we went to New York. I just, you just reminded us yeah. we got five gigs in New York. Yeah. Oh, the Pyramid Club. Oh, the Tell Pyramid them about the Club. Oh, right. So we were doing um, a double act and we did. We did a song called The Mucky Mud. We were doing yeah, stupid we were doing stuff. Wearing wigs and going. I'll in the Mucky Mud. Yeah. But we were booked into the... Our first gig was booked in the Pyramid Club and it was a night of kind of poetry and very serious stuff. Beat poetry. Beat poetry, Yeah, there was a yeah. guy on before us who did a... Who was... Uh, he, he kind of did a poem about the Holocaust. I did a really long poem yeah. about the Holocaust. Yeah, yeah. Jewish guy. Uh, well, I think he was. I don't know if he was Jewish. I think he was oh, Jewish. He was yeah. like his. He, he said he was Jewish. Right. <laughs> but for my ancestors, the compare then got up, and then he said, uh, he didn't say that we were doing comedy or anything. He said uh, one way to wipe out a race is to gas them to death. Another way to wipe out a race is to steal all their wheat and leave them with blighted potatoes. And now, from Ireland, the Quack, Quack Squad. Squad. <laughs> we like, yeah, we had with to, wigs on. Yeah, with our wigs and our diddly <laughs> idle songs. <laughs> Quack 
Thanks for the intro. Here we go. Let's uh, try and cheer you up now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And he, was also, he was quite proud of that intro. He seemed really like, I've got this great link. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but yeah, we did that and then came back. But then uh, we, oh, we did a sitcom as well. Kind of oh, a short yeah. one. It Probably, yeah, I think it was the f- Ireland's first ever sitcom. Yeah, because it was, yeah, it was, a, it was a situation well, comedy. Was it Ireland's uh, first ever sitcom? I think so. Like, I, even though it was only like there were ten minute or twelve minute episodes. Yeah, but there was like twelve of them, and it was a series. Uh, and I don't think there'd been a, a proper actual like a sitcom before that. No, no. This would have been around it was quite, 1992 or something. It was something. very anarchic, anarchic, very yeah. influenced by the young ones. I'd Flatheads. Say. Yeah, yeah, called Flatheads. But the writing of that, I have to say the writing of that was probably when things, our relationship began to, to deteriorate, I would say. Mm, no? Possibly, yeah. yeah. It was tough. We disagreed a lot. Yeah, And probably, there yeah. was a guy Creative helping us and I wish he wasn't there. Yeah, I thought he. Uh, I was well. We won't say his name then, if you wish he wasn't there. Well, uh, yeah. Well, in a I way, he was good at structure, though. I suppose and structure. We probably weren't. We did need someone with structure. Yeah. Well, I found sometimes he curbed the. I won't say enthusiasm. He curbed the madness. Yeah, maybe a bit yeah. too much. Yeah, I um, think yeah. Probably when we when we anytime we were forced to sit in a room together and write as a job. Mm. That probably, I I didn't like doing that myself, and uh. I probably took it out on whoever was around me, and you were probably similar, or you know, like a, well, yeah. like this, uh, it's very hard. When it becomes a job, like we had a great also very, we relationship didn't. as friends, yes. and we used to mess all the time, yeah, and, and kind of organically come up with stuff yeah. during all that sort of those years. But and and also, yeah. I didn't certainly, I didn't have any skill in. Letting something go, either did you, by the way, if you thought this is what should be in the script. Neither of us. I thought it was funny, I thought it should stay in. <laughs> yeah, but we would never, well, we, one was had to back down one, but we would fucking really push it, I think. Yeah. That guy had to sit there. Uh, <laughs> well, we, we uh, argued stuff out. I think. That's probably maybe, maybe I'm exaggerating it now, yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah I think well, there was a lot of factors into what ends an act. An act probably has its day as well. Like you know, we're still mates. We're still yeah, but friends. We're lucky, but the act to be mates. And yeah, well, we pushed yeah, it. I, I think suppose we, we both pushed, pushed it. it at different. Like even yeah. you know, we ended. Up, we did a series called Messrs. Tylak and Rooney as yeah, well. Yeah, that, that was, was quite. Oof. A difficult time at yeah, times. It was you know, difficult, yeah. Working together when we probably shouldn't have worked together after the Flatheads, maybe. Yeah, well, we didn't want... That wasn't something that we we People said approached about us, us to, do to go back to yeah. do it together. Yeah, and yeah. we probably already decided and we wanted it was to go like our separate ways then. Someone forcing... Well, I was going to say Lennon McCarthy. It's like <laughs> <laughs> we are that good. Early Irish stage yeah. comedy. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but yeah, back to, uh, to do a thing which was good. Really, I think it was a good thing. But well, we did the first TV3 kind of naked really camera stuff on that. We did naked camera before naked camera. Well, we did a hidden camera. Thing. Yeah, I mean yeah. it was. Hidden well, we were doing stuff. sketches as part of a. I I love the idea. We had mad ideas, but they worked. Again, people go, no, you can't do that. But I remember mm. we were go- we had to we we're going around to festivals interviewing people, chatting about 
the festival and all that. And then we'd put sketches in. But there was one guy, we were down at the surfing festival in Sligo. And I had this idea that we'd just walk into a shot with you on my back. <laughs> and then we'd start interviewing yeah, a guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love those ideas. Yeah, yeah. But people didn't like or someone in TV3 I remember was going, you, you were interviewing a, a trainer at the Galway race oh that was and yeah. what was it you, you I started saying he was the guy who ran the whole of the Galway race yeah. like he he organised it or whatever and uh, we were walking along the uh, track the racing track just talking and then I was going do the do the horses get drug tested and he goes yes uh, they get tested after every race and he's going how would you know I was going how would you know if they were taking drugs like would they be talking a lot before the races <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, and I kept pushing it and then he stopped snorting and stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, he went he got really annoyed I don't like the way this interview is going he yeah. was no crack yeah, at all yeah. and uh but your oh. whole thing was that the horses were taking the drugs themselves. Yeah. That, like, they were, they had a habit and they were, rather than anyone giving them drugs. Like yeah. <laughs> and I think he just didn't like the idea of inferring that horses were under. I don't know. And we went down to Liz Varna and mm. oh God, that I was... won the the bachelor thing. There was some, there was, there some, was a, what was it? A bachelor. It was, so it was a bachelor festival, right? Yeah. And, there was one thing where you, it was like a blind date, maybe yeah, kind of a, thing. Where, it was a big but you had to, in there, you yeah. had to be interviewed before you even were allowed to do the yeah. competition. Yeah. And we both went in as different. I was an Italian guy with a ponytail. Yeah, and I was American you, web designer. Yeah, and, and you came first and second in it anyway. Yeah, it was we going won. well for me until I, I drank too much and I just went a bit mental. I think I even yeah. lost my accent. But otherwise, I, I was. Got a, yeah, I. I oh, we had to dance to with women and everything. Stage. Yeah, we danced with women, and we were voted. They voted. The public voted. voted. That yeah. was in there, yeah. and I got to sing. My party piece was to sing "Dirty Old Town," and I thought, if I sing it really Dublin like that, yeah. they're obviously going to real. Hopefully, they'll realise this is a joke. But they still didn't get it because <laughs> I was talking like this really nice American guy. And then you're like. Designs website and like, dirty old town. It's <laughs> <laughs> like surely they're gonna cop this, but no. Um, yeah, but that was after yeah we'd uh, split up initially. But, yeah, mm, we're pretending to be. Did friends. you think there was some? Um, it was tough doing. We did some. I think if you spend years and years with someone, yeah, because like, we probably we also had spend so much time together that the person just gets on your tits. Yeah, but you're. I have to say this now, right? Some of your friends gave me shit. I won't name them. I actually, two in particular, one night said, "Oh, we saw we were doing a thing on um, no, what's that? Kids Pro. It was a Joe Maxi. Joe Maxi, right? Yeah. We were doing sketches on Joe Maxi. There'd be one every week, and uh, this girl and a fella said, "Oh, we saw yous on um, uh." Joe Maxi the other night and I go oh yeah did you did, did, yeah alright yeah expecting them to go yeah it was great and they went yeah Paul was brilliant you were shit they actually Jesus said that to me Jesus Christ yeah well that's terrible <laughs> and and I didn't know what I was like okay. they were probably just jealous of you being uh, my friend 
More than them. I don't know. Well, anyway, yeah. That, so that is very hard to keep. Well, you never told me that. <laughs> it was really shocking. Maybe if you'd said it to me, I could have yeah. like, talked to them. About, oh, shit. Oops, I spilled, you spilled coffee there. Um, Sorry, did I? I could have said something to them. Like, right, okay, what the yeah. What hell are you doing talking to my mate? Yeah, but I think they were a little bit... Uh, out of it. Out of it as well. <laughs> they didn't realise that they were being exceptionally rude and cruel. Yeah. But, and and I was wa- that why... But no, there was... Because you, know, you never was, told me that. So. Well, I mean, no, I always got the impression that all your friends thought you were brilliant and that I was shit. Well, you never told me that either. Oh, no, but I didn't feel I could say You're it because maybe part of me, me thought I was shit as well. Well, and, I, um, I think you're brilliant. Also, I was... Um, I don't know why we're going to say it because I was in... Yeah. There's a couple of relationships we were in that maybe didn't help our relationship. Would you yes, agree with that? I would, yes. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> mm. There was a few... Mm. Well, one in particular, I think. Yeah. It was a, an American lady that I didn't get on with. Yeah. That was probably the first big relationship that kind mm. of got... It, it was the Yoko Ono thing, probably. <laughs> right, okay. But then you've got... You had some fairly... Crazy I say junky friends? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. Not anymore. Yeah, so that was, uh, that was, uh, that's good, yeah. But I mean, like, I have to say, I don't know how long we have left here because there's people <laughs> trying to get into yeah, this room. Before we finish up, I want to say, Paul, I'll say this publicly, you're a really my best friend. And when I was absolutely, maybe a couple of years ago, just banjaxed psychologically or whatever, you were the one person that came to my rescue, so... Thanks. That's very nice of you. As uh, you, when you're really ba- fucked, you know who your friends are. Yeah, yeah, and that's true. Yeah. Um. So, thanks. Well, you're all right now, aren't you? Yeah, I am. Yeah. That's the main thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, can I plug my website? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Seeing as you're such a good friend. Um, VO.ie. I should say no. No, no. <laughs> well, you can cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're looking for animation uh, voiceovers or accents, impressions, whatever, VO.ie. That's all I'll say. VO.ie. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And I have a thing coming out called Informer as well on BBC. Oh yeah, it. tell me about that because you've been over to London doing yeah. stuff. Well, I suppose since I did Halal Daddy, uh, I the, uh, there was a good few Asian people on that. Yeah, and they were saying, "Oh, you should definitely come to London, and there's a lot more work." So I decided after Halal Daddy to approach uh, the agents of all the people who were in the thing with me to try and get one agent at least, and I did. I got one mm-hmm. in the end, and they sent me a self tape. It was the first tape they sent me out to do before they'd even signed me up. And then I got this part out of it called uh, Informer. That's a six part, six hour long thriller on BBC One and Amazon. Wow. And it would be out in summer 2018. And I'm really delighted to be doing it. 
there's a nice meaty part and you know yeah. I like doing accents and characters so it has both of that in it so we're East London Asian character like that you know nice one I'm the dad of the informer who's the title character in it that's amazing yeah Paddy Considine's the main police guy in it really so, yeah it's a good story actually um, this young guy my son uh, he's caught with a few pills. Spoilers now, but yeah, no, it's just yeah, yeah, that's okay. just the very start. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I, I won't tell you anymore. He's caught with some pills and he's flipped by the police. Paddy Considine flips him, and my son is played by Naban Rizwan, who's a new uh, talent. He's uh, only twenty years old and he's amazing. And uh, there's a lot of Asian and uh, African and uh, Middle Eastern people in the cast, and cool. a great cast of whites as well <laughs> <laughs> right yeah yeah um, uh, uh, and is, are you finished shooting that now or no, no? Be f- well I uh, don't know whenever this is going out but maybe <laughs> depending on when this is going out but I'll be f- uh, next fin- week oh well then mm. yeah no I'll be uh, I think I'll, I'll be finished uh, early February wow so. Well, got a good bit more to do. Yeah, so you're over yeah. and back to London all the time yeah I have another kind of half of my stuff to do there oh wow yeah. Yeah, so it's great. Yeah, it's a good, good part. And uh, yeah, I suppose that all came from doing Halal Daddy, which is yeah. a good uh, comedy film that was out a while ago. And uh, with Art Malik and Nikesh Patel. Yeah, and yeah. Who are lovely guys. That's class. And you do a lot of uh, uh, animation as well. Yeah, mm. I do. Um, well, I try to do. I mean, I, I, if... Uh, People are interested. Vo.ie <laughs> is where my yeah. stuff is all. You know, there's a showcase of, of animation stuff that I've done and an idea of the characters and accents that I like to do. Mm. But I could do any any accent and any impression if given a day to practice. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I loved. It's the same as when, when we started out. I've always loved doing just characters that you make up straight away and and you stick with them then for the whole sketch yeah basically i think in a lot of animation they let you play around with stuff and you come up with something that you've never done before and you you're laughing your head off at it yourself so you just do that then for the for a whole hour or something mm. it's just great for it. and then you just throw it away you know mm. then they want you to do it again and you just have to you go i don't can't even remember what i did like three or four weeks later yeah so they have to play it back to you so yeah otherwise you'll you'll just forget it you know? Right, yeah. But it's like I, I that all goes back to me. Like even when I lived in England, I used to tape stuff and I used to listen to, you know, like try and make myself laugh. And then when we were doing stuff together, like that was it's all that kind of character, kind of accents and all that. Yeah, madness. You know, I love that as part. I uh, love doing improv as well, which we work together yes. doing a lot of improv. And oh yeah, and the international Monday nights, nine o'clock every yeah. Monday. If you're uh, in any way. Out and about. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know we've been doing that for years now and uh, I just love it. I mean, it's probably, I would say, I would say above stand-up, I prefer doing it. But yeah. it's just, you don't get an audience for it. But we do get an audience, but not enough yeah, to, to... Yeah, when we do the festivals, do. we get yeah audiences. Or if, if it's, sometimes the international will be packed for some reason, either because we've advertised it heavily or just yeah. randomly. 
and it'll be But great. I'm saying you don't, we can't tour it. Not, I would love to tour it, but yeah. it's a difficult thing to get people's head around. It's, yeah. People go, what's Im- improv? Improve? Yeah. Or something. It's just the most it's, fun you can have as a performer, really. Cause, uh, yeah. And to watch. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. always different. Yeah. Um, and we both, I, I suppose mostly, half the audience we get are actually... Uh, not Irish we get a lot of yeah. foreign which is good for them because th- I think they find stand-up a bit difficult at times because it can be a bit too subtle and a bit too static mm-hmm. but with us with the improv we're moving around we're making shapes and we're really kind of I think for some reason like well probably that reason uh, and other reasons the audience finds that a lot more entertaining if they if English isn't their first language yeah and yeah. I think also a lot of American we get a lot of American tourists and I think they are more aware of, of comedy improv yes it's a big thing yeah the Americans and the Dutch seem to have a lot of their own improv groups yeah and they, they they're actually from improv groups we do get a lot of people of, coming up afterwards yeah. and go I'm in an improv group in Chicago or yeah. in can New we York or something? Uh, join your group, and, and we just say no. <laughs> we never do workshops or anything. And who did we have in the other month or two ago? Chris Martin. Chris Martin there. from Coldplay. From Coldplay. I wasn't there, but apparently it was great. Yeah. Were you not there? No. Were you there? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. Was, I, I ended I, up. I wasn't there. No. I thought you were there. No. That night. I, oh no! I it was Kevin Gildee. And Danny Kyo and Ian Coppinger. Yeah. That's right, I don't know why. We've Kevin had Phil Jupiter standing there as well. And yeah. did we, we had Adam Hill one night, I remember, years ago. Yeah. Who else? Um, Is that just going I don't know. down? That's actually getting less and less famous, am I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we had Trev Jones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, ah, uh, yeah, so, uh, listen, thanks. I guess um, I... We could chat again some other time, I think, because yes. uh, we haven't talked about the whole exhibition to Antarctica we did together. No, yeah. I don't know how we... That's what? when I had a breakdown, <laughs> and you were there for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, what are we fucking doing here? Like, this is a continent. It's not just a bloody trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks, Paul. Thank you, Jim. HPN, the Headstuff Podcast Network. See headstuff.org for more details. I'm seeing something. It's smiling at me. But not a friendly smile. The worst smile I've ever seen in my life. Do you see it right now? Smile. Rated R. Only in theaters September 30th.